Hi everyone, welcome back to the College and Career Coffee Chats. Today I'm so excited because I have Kylie Moody all the way in Kansas uh, and we're going to chat about college, career, life and higher education and she is a first generation college graduate. She graduated from Fort Hayes State University with a degree in criminal justice and from the University of Central Missouri with a master's degree in higher education administration. Kylie serves as a manager director of scholar services at K-State and as an adjunct instructor for the Staley School of Leadership Studies. She is passionate about education and providing access and opportunities for everyone to see their potential. She enjoys spending time with her family, working out, playing, and watching sports and traveling. So I'm super excited to have her here before I pass the baton to her to start speaking because I want her to do most of the talking today. We're gonna cheers with our coffee, tea, water, or energy drink or whatever floats your boat. Cheers. Cheers. So if you hear our mugs or slurping, that's what it is, my friends. Because <laughs> it's a coffee chat, so make sure you have your beverage of choice. So without further ado, we have Kylie here. Thank you very much, Alicia, for that introduction and for the opportunity to get to do this too. I'm really excited. And so um, Alicia had actually put up a Facebook post and I had seen it and I was kind of like, oh, um, I think in during this time and, um, you know, just with everything going on and kind of being in a different space, I've tried to use this opportunity to maybe step outside of my comfort zone a little bit and do things that um, normally I might have said no or not right now. And so I welcomed this opportunity and I'm really excited. First generation students are near and dear to my heart, as is education. And so this opportunity is I'm just very grateful for it. So thank you. Yeah, I'm so excited. We're going to have some chats and kind of just hang out. And I love hearing your experiences. Um, and for everyone listening, we've uh, connected beforehand just to get to know each other. And um, how would you define first generation as it is part of your journey, my journey, and a lot of the students listening? I think in my personal opinion, I think first generation for students who are looking at a university or a college, that is very different um, compared to a community college. And so the textbook definition that we use at the institution where I'm at is first in your family to graduate with um, a four-year degree. And so you could have siblings who have gone to college and still be considered first generation. And so honestly, I, I like that definition that resonates with me. Um, we also include international students in that mm -hmm. as well. And, um, you know, our education system in the United States is very different compared to other colleges and the processes and the forms and everything. And so we, we include international students in our definition of first generation students as well. I love that expanding uh, definition to include them because I think when I was going to school, they weren't considered for Shen and they still, and they do have similar experiences to us. So I love that kind of um, change with what's happening in society to include them. I love that. Yes. 
And I didn't know too, um, this week is actually, well, technically it's November 8th is the national celebration day for first generation students. And so this year, since it landed on a Sunday, I know several institutions and organizations and foundations and the list goes on have kind of expanded the celebration to include a whole week. And so this is also perfect timing too. I feel like just be able to talk a little bit about my first generation journey and what that looks like. Absolutely. We're, we're recording on November 11th. And uh, like she said, it was November 8th. So it's fun to have these conversations this week, kind of celebrating our that identity that really forms a lot of our experiences in undergrad and graduate school um, in navigating all those different waters. Yes. And today being Veterans Day, I feel like that that is another, um, you know, intersectionality or identity that a lot of first generation students have as well is also being in the military or National Guard or even a veteran. And so Mm -hmm. thank you to all, uh, to everyone who has served and, and sacrificed in that way, too. Absolutely. Thank you so much for making that choice in life to really show up for our country and our communities. And oftentimes veterans are looked, um, they're not part of the conversation when it comes to inclusion and diversity and the spaces that they might need to also process what they're going through when they're coming back from maybe their service. Uh, So thank you again for your service and that intersection, right, with first generation, if you hold both, right? looking for that support. So uh, if you identify as veteran, let us know. We would love to know who you are and support you, give you a shout out. Yes. So talk to me a little bit about your journey from undergrad and deciding a career in higher education, because I think it's something that not everyone thinks that they're gonna become an academic counselor or an orientation director or residence life coordinator, but those are real jobs that people have careers in, or like dean of students. <laughs> so um, talk to talk to us a little bit about that. Definitely, and it's interesting because I did not know I could work at a college either. And so, um, as Delicia mentioned, I am from Kansas, and so small rural, I would say stereotypical Kansas. And so, <laughs> I'm from a town of about 900 people. So there were. 19 students in my graduating class. And so I went to college in Hayes, Kansas. And um, at that time, about a population of about eight to 9,000 students, it's grown a little bit. And so um, I just knew growing up that I wanted to go to college. My parents were very supportive um, and really focusing and telling me I could do anything I wanted to do and anything I put my mind to as long as I was willing to put in the time and the energy and the effort. And so when I went to college, I really thought I wanted to become a lawyer and a politician. And so that was kind of the path that I went on. I was really fortunate. I was very involved in high school and really carried that over into college. And so if I could have majored in extracurricular activities, I think that totally would have been my major because- anything that came my way, I was just like, yeah, like, I'll try it. Like, yes, I'll do it. Like, yeah, like, um, and so I loved it. And I had an amazing experience. And so then, though, when it came time to kind of think about career and and what is next, that was kind of an area of tension and a little bit of a struggle for me, I was really Mm -hmm. involved in the Student Governing Association. 
very fortunate to have done an internship in Washington, D.C. under my mm-hmm. then Congressman Jerry Moran, who is now a state senator. But Washington, D.C. was not what I thought it was going to be. I was Looking back, I was very naive coming from a really small town where I felt, you know, that everybody was really working and in it together and politics was how I could really make my mark. Washington, D.C. really opened up my eyes. And so after that experience, I really kind of did a pivot. But at that time, I was so close to being done. And I think, again, as a first generation student, you have that got to get done in four years, you know, (laughs) just make it work, finish, like you can't change, you can't pivot. Um, And so that's kind of really what I had in my mind. I was just like, just finish and we'll figure it out. And so um, I had a really good mentor, which I think is really key, are finding people that you can talk to, that you can just bounce ideas off of, and to learn more about other people's journeys too. And she had mentioned, I will never forget the conversation. She was like, well, have you ever thought about student affairs? And I was like, what? (laughs) And she was like, you, you can work at a college and you can work with students and you can work in all these different areas. And I was kind of like, really? I was like, I didn't, I didn't know that was a thing. And I'd really gotten involved in service learning and working in a service organization in college too. And so I'd really at that time thought nonprofit is kind of like where I can mm-hmm. make my mark and where I should land. And so I did do that after college, but then that kind of the student affairs kept, I kept thinking about it and chewing on that. And I remember calling home and telling my mom and I said, I think I'm going to go to graduate school in student affairs. And she was like, in what? And I was like, I can work at a college. And she was like, Kylie, you had a really great experience in college and I know that you loved it, but you have to move on. (laughs) I love that. It's kind of like, let me hold on to this. Yes. I was like, no, like I can, I can really do this. And I, I am a lover of all things. And so I'm always like, I'm not a very narrowed person. I will put it that way. Like I like to do all the things. And so student affairs was really appealing in that way because I was like, oh, I could be an academic advisor. Oh, or I could work in student activities or I could work in student leadership, or, or, or. And so um, I decided to go ahead and go to graduate school. And I loved my time there too. My direct supervisor actually got a different job about two weeks before um, the other graduate assistant and I were to start. And so that meant that we really were working a full-time position and then also doing our graduate assistantship. And so, again, got an amazing opportunity and experience. And then that led, um, after graduate school, to wanting to get back, kind of back to Kansas. And so um, a position in recruiting and orientation and extended orientation and campus visits was open at Kansas State University. And so I decided I would just throw my hat in and just see what happened. And it's really interesting, too, because I remember going to the interview and they had We Hire Wildcat stickers. I felt like everywhere I went, like (laughs) in every office, in every person, like with every person I interacted with. And so I was kind of like, 
no way. Like they have an internal candidate. They're just going through the motions. And so I'm just not going to stress and see what happens and actually ended up getting the position and was the only person who did not have a degree from K-State that worked in the office. Wow. Yes. And so I had a big learning curve and I had a lot to prove, Um, but it turned out to be a great experience. And so I kind of worked in that area for six years and then took a stop out and worked a little bit in economic development through an organization that had a partnership with university research and community and did that for a couple years. And then I'm back in my role now working with students part of di- as part of different scholarship programs and have been in that role a little over two years. But I have gotten the opportunity to continue working with first generation underrepresented and income limited students. And that is where my passion is because education changed my life. Like it, it did like without college and all the doors that were opened to me, I would not be where I am today. And so my ultimate goal is to always try to pay it forward. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So two big, I guess, nuggets from that story is mentorship and finding the people to listen to. I mean, that will listen to you and will kind of help you process what you're going through and kind of get bounce off ideas. And then number two is this kind of hidden gem of a career in higher ed with um, this idea that you can do this or this or this. I love that kind of connection because it's so true. You can start one place and really move around to see what it is you really love and that kind of master's program, I'm sure, was all encompassing to all the different areas and learning about what the different departments are and what their purposes are in, at an institution. So I love that. Uh, so if you're listening in and you have no idea what you want to do with, with your life, this might be an option. Um, and it's a very people-oriented, like people-centered um, career, I think, where you if you love to talk, if you love students, if you love education, it kind of encompasses all of that. Yes, so. I agree. <laughs> and another thing that we kind of bonded off of our last conversation was uh, traveling and how much we love to travel. Um, if you don't know, I traveled or I studied abroad in Australia and Spain in undergrad. And then I did the Fulbright grant in Brazil in 2018. So uh, I love to travel. I love to meet new people and hang out. And um, so we kind of talked a a little bit about that in our first call. But um, what part of travel do you love and maybe kind of miss now that we're (laughs) not able to as much? Yes. Um, So it's really interesting. Um, The first time I was on a plane was when I was a junior in high school. And my parents still to this day have never flown. And so traveling was not something that we did growing up. And I actually have my partner to thank for introducing me to it. He is very much like, let's take a risk and see what happens. And I am not like that. But through my undergraduate degree, I was able to study abroad in China. And then um, from there, we have been to Peru. We've been to Australia, we've been to Costa Rica, Iceland, 
And so um, I think very much like you, um, I love, I love meeting people. I love learning about people, their stories, where they came from, what their experiences have been like. And I think that traveling allows you to have a better understanding of people's lived experiences mm-hmm. and to understand and realize that your reality is not what everyone else's reality is. And so the power of listening is so mm-hmm. critical because listening to understand, I just think is so important. And I think especially right now when we're so quick to just judge or to, you know, counter with, with an argument or a statement or something. Mm-hmm. And I think the traveling has just really provided me an opportunity to really be better able to understand that how my world, what my world looks like is not what everyone else's world looks like. Right. It kind of gives you new life goggles almost to like process through their lens and through their experiences and really understand what's happening um, from their point of view and their context. I love that. Yes. Uh, what uh, city were you in in China for your undergrad experience? Beijing. Beijing. Mm-hmm. And it was right bef- it was in 2006. And so a couple of years before the Olympics. And so a lot of okay. things were being renovated and upgraded. But that was an experience because I have a better understanding now what it feels like to walk into a room and to not have anyone else who looks like you. Um, that's, I can definitely now understand the importance of that and, you know, just what that experience looks like and, and feels like, because having my, wanting to have my picture taken just because I had blonder hair and blue eyes um, was something that I had not ever experienced before because where I live in the United States, most people, you know, I can usually always find someone that looks similar to me. And so that really opened up my eyes to to what that feels like. Right. That that otherness or that othering. Yes. Yeah. And I think for travel and study abroad and undergrad, it really gives you the opportunity to um, expand your like cross-cultural communication skills, your interpersonal skills, and really adapt to change. Um, and really kind of uh, mold and more into flexibility that really supports you in in life and in college and in your career later on. Um, So I always encourage students to, if they have the opportunity to study abroad, to do it. And if they can, um, if they can't, or they feel they can't, it's like, let's find the scholarship. Let's find a way to make it happen. Yes. Well, and there is the Gilman scholarship that is specifically for first generation students. That is an amazing opportunity. If students, if you are interested in studying abroad and a lot of times too, I mean, institutions will have scholarships and aid. And so definitely seek out those opportunities too, because I do think costs a lot of times um, Mm -hmm. can kind of scare people away from it. But oftentimes there are ways to make it fairly affordable. Absolutely. The Gilman, they're still giving out scholarships even now during um, COVID. They, even if you're doing an online abroad program 
or a condensed hybrid program, they're still awarding grants. So if that's something that you qualify and are eligible for, please, please apply. If you have questions, let us know. I'm an alumni. I, I received the Gilman to go to Spain in undergrad. So I'm very well aware of that application process and the follow-on projects. So uh, please, if you have questions, let us know and we'll try to um, give you access to that. And also on their website, I'm pretty sure they have webinars and uh, videos that help you with um, the whole process. And they're pretty active on their social media, like on Instagram, I think. So definitely check that out if you're interested. And I'll put in the show notes the, the direct links to the correct um, website. It's through the um, U.S. Department of State and IIE. So they manage the Gilman. So um, definitely look out for that. Good, good comment. <laughs> I love it. So what are some things that you find within uh, the students that you work with that they are kind of um, struggling with now and how to best support them through that, um, this kind of like online world that we live in now in higher ed, that's kind of hybrid, all online and just a different ways to kind of um, support and connect with students. Definitely. Two big things that I hear quite often is the opportunity to network and build community. Mm -hmm. And then the other one is motivation. And so both of those are things I have personally struggled with throughout this too. And so we've been trying to look for other ways for students to connect. And so helping them think about what does their social media profile look like? Are they on LinkedIn? Mm -hmm. Is that a way that they could try to connect with people? Our career center has done a great job of still offering virtual meetups and virtual career fairs. And so encouraging students even to just go and listen to some of those sessions, especially with a lot of it being virtual. Are there recordings or webinars even that you can listen to? Because oftentimes people are still putting up contact information. And so you know, send a quick email or look them up on LinkedIn and send a message because most everyone are looking for ways to connect. And so if you are, you know, contacting them and putting yourself out there, um, chances are you're going to get a response. Um, and especially in this time, because not everyone is doing that. And so that is a really good way to continue to kind of build your network and connect with people. And then and the motivation piece is hard because I think every day it's a different day. And so really focusing on baby steps and giving yourself grace and, you know, what one or two things can I accomplish today that's going to help me make progress toward tomorrow? And then tomorrow, can I do three things that are going to help me make progress for the next day? I think really chunking things up can really help with that motivation piece. And I keep telling students to like, you are gaining skills and building skills every day. You are finding new ways of how to work and learn and live in an online environment and in a hybrid model. And those are skills that are going to serve you well in whatever career you choose. And so make sure that you are reflecting on and keeping note and taking, you know, keeping track of what you're doing and what that looks like. 
and that you are resilient. And even if you only got two things off of your list of 10 to do today, that's, that's still two things that you accomplished. And so how can you carry that forward into the next day? And so I think that that's really important and leaning on people who, who support you um, and instructors and other people. I keep telling students as much as I can. I'm like, if you want to meet in person, I'm willing to do that. Like I will mask up. We can, meet <laughs> my, we can meet in my office. Like we can still do things in a safe way that right. will still help you feel connected, that will still meet you where you are, um, whatever that looks like. And so I think those are two really important areas. Absolutely. I love that um, networking and LinkedIn, right? If students um, don't know where to start, I think LinkedIn is a perfect place to start. Create that profile, put that resume on there, put a professional headshot and start reaching out to people because I think it's a very underutilized tool that a lot of students are afraid of, maybe because it's intimidating because they hop on and they maybe see CEOs or managing directors. And those are intimidating titles. But at the end of the day, you have to remember that they're people too. They, they have experiences. They went through college as well. They, they're going through life as well. So it's a matter of kind of demystifying all of those layers of networking for them. And I love the other piece of chunking, right? Those three pieces that you can do today that will move the needle further tomorrow. And then the next day, it's like, we don't have to get our degree in one day. That's not how learning happens. That's not how growth happens. Um, and that patience uh, is hard, right? I, I also experience is like, I wanna get all of this done today. <laughs> But I think over the years, we've learned that that's not how this works. Yeah, well, I think that instant gratification piece is hard because, you know, typically that's what we're used to. And we don't a lot of times give a lot of thought to the process. And so that's another area we've really trying, been trying to break it down is that everything is a process. Like LeBron James didn't just you know, wake up and all of a sudden he could score 30 points in a game or could win an NBA championship. But a lot of times we don't see that process. And I think too, as a first generation student, a lot of times we have that imposter syndrome where, mm -hmm. you know, I don't belong or I'm going to reach out, but why would they want to talk to me? And I still have to remind myself every day, right? Like, you know, who, you know, the, our president of K-State, like he still puts his pants on one leg at a time, like just like I do. And so I think sometimes like just that reminder of that we are all human, like we all make mistakes, you know, we all are carrying a lot of things and doing the best we can. And so why not reach out to so-and-so like the, the worst that you could have told me, the least you know, Delicia is no, like not right now. And okay, like I'll go on to the next thing. And so I think that's really hard though. And I think that's sometimes even harder as a first generation student, you just don't feel that you are, I don't know that worthy is the right word, but you know, mm -hmm. that, that you don't belong or that you don't have the street cred that others do. And you totally, you totally do. You totally. Do. Right. It's that feeling that we have to kind of prove something in a certain way that we belong in 
the university or in the work environment or wherever we are in our lives or our career. Um, and like you said, you are worthy. You are, um, you do belong in wherever you are. So if you're listening, make sure you hear that part um, that you are worthy of wherever you are. And um, that's true. Everyone puts on their pants one leg at a time um, or unless they're jumping off the bed and like going with two at a time. <laughs> um, that's so true. Or like we put one, one bra strap at a time. So it's, it is what it is. So I love uh, that uh, comparison of the process, right? Everything is a process um, to cook dinner, right? We have the, the different pieces of the meal and then we put it together and we cook it and then we eat it. It's like that same thing happens in our college career and our work ethic, right? So um, it's taking it back and being like, it's okay, we can take a pause. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think especially during this time too, you know, yeah. like it's, yeah, it's totally okay to, to pause and to take a moment and to reflect and identify is this really what I want to do or should I change or should I pivot? Right, especially nowadays when everything changes daily, no matter what, but now with um, pandemic and uh, university shifting and the world shifting in many ways, um, it's okay to pause. It's okay to kind of like recalibrate um, like your phone needs an update every month, right? So you need to update whatever you need to reboot, re-update or refresh or restart and however you know how to do that. So I always um, think about that, like reflection is so important to kind of process that. Yes. Well, and I always tell students too, that you probably in your lifetime are going to have a career that doesn't exist right now. Mm. And so thinking about, again, like what skills do you want to work on or what skills are you building? Because that's what's going to sustain you and going to help you as you navigate different career options and choices. Right. Absolutely. When I was starting as a, a freshman, social media manager was not a job. And wow. now that's every company has a social media manager and what is going to be innovative 10 years from now, um, right? Their title doesn't even exist yet. So how are you going to build skills to create that title? Um, I think is that's an awesome way to look at it. And a good reminder that um, they can create that too mm -hmm. from their yeah. the skills that you're doing now. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Because I think that's one um, part of this really, this pandemic too, is, you know, what problems do you see and how do you want to solve them and what will it take to solve them? And that's one thing I've kind of gotten away from asking students, like, what do you want to major in? And instead mm -hmm. asking, what problems do you want to solve? Like, what is life asking out of you? What do you want your story to look like? What do you want your legacy to be? Um, because again, I think as a first generation student, if you don't know exactly what you want to major in, then that goes back to that piece too of, well, I don't belong. College isn't for me. And I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, like I really still don't know what I want to do. Like I I'm earning a paycheck, which is what I need to do, but I, I don't know that I'll still be wanting to do this in five years. And so, um, so again, give yourself a little bit of grace when you don't have it all planned out. I don't, I mean, some people may say they do, but at the end of the day, I don't really know that any of us, any of us do. 
Right. No, I don't think any of us do. <laughs> it's like, cause our, our, our likings change our, our, um, I mean, I think there might be some core things that we love like students or education or um, meeting people and traveling, but that is going to take a different form every every year or every five years or every 10 years um, because we evolve, right? We're supposed to evolve. Our, our likes, our dislikes are supposed to evolve. That's, I guess, part of the human experience. Um, and that's important to give yourself grace. I love that. That's, um, I think, something, especially now, right? We, with everything we're all dealing with, grace for ourselves, grace for other people, because um, we really don't know what the other person might be um, dealing with in their life. So I think it's so important to give ourselves grace, especially with everything happening in this pandemic, new technology, the world and many things. So um, keep that in mind, my friends, grace, which leads me to kind of, I think this question of grace for ourselves as we are today, but how uh, would we have used that knowledge that we have now uh, when we were younger? Like, what would you want to tell your younger self um, now knowing what you know now? That, that is such <laughs> a great, a great question. And honestly, um, I, I really, I don't have any, any regrets. And so I think I would tell my younger self to say yes and figure out the rest. Mm -hmm. And I know sometimes that is hard, but I mean, every experience and opportunity that I kind of took a leap of faith in led me to find out maybe, yes, this is something I like, or no, this isn't something I like. And I think that that no, this isn't something I like is just as important as figuring out yes, what I do like. And so even now I sometimes when I'm asked to do things, I'm like, are you sure? You know, I don't know that I'm the right fit. Um, because I think that I tell my students all the time that we are always going to have imposter syndrome. And so yeah. we just have to figure out ways of working through that and saying yes, or going to, you know, somebody that that you know, I'm happy to be this cheerleader, but to say like, yes, like you are worthy of that. Yes, you deserve that opportunity. And then to continue moving forward, because I think that was one thing that I'm so grateful for. My parents only told me no once <laughs> um, when I wanted to study abroad um, in Mexico. And they were kind of like, oh, we don't know about the timing and all of that. But for everything else, they were kind of like, well, if you can figure out a way and it's something you want to do, then do it. And I so appreciate that because um, I think that that did give me confidence in myself that even when I wasn't 100% sure, I was kind of like, I'd always try to think about, well, what is the worst that could happen? I get told no, or I don't, you know, I, I, I. I don't do as well as I thought I did or something. Well, then I'll get the feedback. I'll figure it out and I'll try again. I love that. Yes. And figure out the rest. <laughs> I love that. That's, that's a lot of how I also navigated decisions and still do many ways. It's like, yes, I want to do this. I'll figure it out. And if it's, 
if it doesn't work out, it's kind of like, okay, thank you for this information. I'll learn from that and kind of reframe this idea of failure in a way because, um, and failure is not a bad thing. It's, I think, information for um, reframing what that experience means to you. Um, so I think uh, that's really important, especially if you're looking at internships or programs or jobs. Um, it might not be the best thing out of the gate, but if you learn something from that, okay, what, wh how are you gonna use that information for the next kind of uh, experience? Yeah, well, I think we've tried a lot to reframe the idea of fail and failure. And so that mm. fail me really means your first attempt in learning. Mm. So, you know, like it's a part of life. Um, I have two young kids and, you know, I hear that I'm the worst. This is terrible. I'm so good at this. And I'm like, no, you are learning. Like we are all learning. Like it's a process. Like you think I was like, when I was three years old, I knew how to write. No, like we have to learn these types of things. And so I just think so for whatever reason, as it, as you know, as college students and then adults, we, we forget that. And I think sometimes that we expect ourselves just to know things or to not, you know, not to fail or something. And that's just a part of life and a part of being a human. Exactly. Yeah. It's before we walk, we have to crawl. Yep. And before we run, we have to do the other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love that. So are there any last words of nuggets of wisdom you would like to impart on our listeners? Uh, you said before, as talking to your students, what is your, what do you want your legacy to be? Or what do you want? Uh, what problems do you want to solve in the world? So I kind of want to ask you, what do you want your legacy to be um, through this conversation and through um, your work and your, your humanness? Oh, yeah, that is, that is a great question. Um, Cause I often think about that. And I always think that, you know, when I am gone and, you know, people like reflect or say things, I want them to say, you know, that she was someone who always listened and who looked for the best in people and who really did try to provide other people with opportunities. And I think I go back to the idea of paying it forward because I mean, I, People opened up their houses to me to allow me to sleep on their couch when I was transitioning in between jobs. And I mean, I don't tell a lot of people this, but when I was going to DC, I had people in my hometown that threw a fundraiser for me so that I would be able to purchase clothing, you know, that, that would allow me to look professional um, in that role. And so I think that that's the most important part is to to pay it forward because we are all doing the best we can. And so we've had multiple students live with us. We've hosted an exchange student from Brazil and they have been amazing experiences because they've helped somebody get to that next step or get to where they want to be. And in my opinion, that's really what it's all about. Like we all have to help each other if we, mm -hmm. if we want our world to be kind and gracious and all the things that I hope and think that deep down we really want. Absolutely. We have to pay it forward in the way that we know how and in the, in the way that we can, right? Um, our little grain of, of sand is going to um, add to kind of the bigger beach and the bigger <laughs> picture. Um, so I love that so much. Yes, the importance of community and um, 
helping you to that next step, right? People in your hometown helped you um, with things that are going to support you in your journey in, in DC and then later on. So I love that. I love that so much. I always think of when you throw, you know, like a rock in the pond and then it ripples and then it continues mm-hmm. to ripple out that like, you never know, like where you just throw that one stone, like what that ripple effect is going to be and how many people will benefit and, and impact just because of that one little pebble. I love that. Throw your pebbles, friends. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love this uh, chat. Um, Kylie, thank you so much for uh, our conversation. So many good nuggets of uh, summarizing really quick. I mean, obviously the whole thing is great, Um, but grace for yourself. The process is important to um, kind of look at. uh, And also, I think my favorite uh, kind of quote is, uh, fail, but as first attempt in learning. to give yourself grace, right? That added layer. And then uh, really reflecting on how you want to lead your life and your legacy. Thank you so much, Kylie, for joining me today. I really appreciate it. I hope you had some fun. I did. I loved it. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you. Of course. Until next, the next one, my friends. (laughs) 